Alright, then Matthew 7, and like I said, we'll be starting in verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone, or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things for those who ask him? This is the word of the Lord. I, uh, I love being a father. I, I, I love being a father. But it's also one of the absolute hardest things that I've ever done. And I think that's probably true for all of us that are parents in here. We, we can say that. And one of the things that happens is, as I go through fatherhood with my children is that you you always hear about um the stages that are that are ahead of you you know my my oldest jonah is is 11 so you know you hear all the stories about teenagers and and so i'm i'm trying to anticipate that and picture that and think of how it's going to come and and i can't you know i can't totally wrap my mind around it you think you have a pretty good understanding of what's going to happen until you get there and realize that you that you don't you don't you don't have a handle on it at all and and so you just begin to see things differently as you reach all of those different stages. And it's not just parenthood; that, that, that's true all the way through life, um, parents or not. As we as as we reach each new stage, we realize that what we thought was going to happen and feel at that moment um, is is not exactly what it was like. Pastor Ron, I, I know for years has has made the statement in, in our meetings together and even here on the platform some that that your mind continues to, to tell you that you're, or you, you believe in your mind that you are 22 or 25 and yet your body continues to age and, and that's exactly the way it is. We, we think that we have it all figured out and yet we don't. But I say all that to say being a father has, has given me new perspective on a lot of things, including this passage in Matthew chapter 7. Just a few months ago, as I read through Matthew chapter 7 and read this this passage, it just gave me a whole different perspective, I think because of parenting my children. I began to read through Matthew chapter 7 and and read these verses that, that Pastor Stephen just read to you. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you for everyone who asks, receive, and everyone who seeks, finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. And as I, as I read that, I, I just was catching the repetition of it. Ask and seek and knock and ask and seek and knock. And I don't know if, if it was that day that I read the scripture that, that that was happening more and more in our house, but if, as a parent, you know that there are just those days where that you feel like that's what's happening from your kids all that they're asking and seeking and knocking and asking and seeking and there's just a persistence to it and and you just can't get away from it. And that's what I began to see as I read through this. And then as you read through it you think, well, you know what? That's exactly, I think, 
the picture that Jesus is painting for us here in Matthew chapter 7. That idea. In my house, Jenny has, has this unbelievable ability to tune out the asking and seeking and knocking. I don't know if that's true at you. And, and she hears it all the time. She is, is more in tune to it and responds to it so much more than I do. But there are just times when I think, they're asking you something. Answer them so we can quiet them up. And I think all of you understand that. That's the feeling that I got that day as I read this passage. That there's this a persistence and, and ask. And if you don't answer, then they're going to seek you and chase you down. And if you don't give them response, then they're going to pound on the door until you come out and finally deal with what they're asking. That's the picture that Jesus is giving here in Matthew chapter 7. And we're the children in the picture. In fact, as you, as, as Pastor Stephen read, as you get farther down just in those verses, it's really clear that Jesus is the Father, or God is the Father, sorry, God is the Father, Jesus is telling us God is the Father, and we are the children. And all the promises that come in this passage come to His children. That's a key point in this. The promises that come in this passage come to the children of God. It does not come to everyone. It does not come to all the people in all of time who have ever lived. This comes to the children of God. These are his children. There's several times through this Sermon on the Mount where Jesus makes distinctions between those who are not part of God's family and those who are. These promises come to those who are. I mentioned it earlier in our service in John chapter 1, to all who receive him, to those who believe in his name, he gives the right to become children of God. If you know Jesus this morning as your Savior, you are a child of God, and these promises are for you. And so Jesus tells us, this is how you're to pray. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. And he doesn't just say it those three phrases one time, but then goes on and says them again for everyone who asks, receive. Everyone who seeks, find. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Jesus Jesus six times tells us to come and come and come and come and come and come before the Father. That's how we are to approach God. When you pray, say this, Father, Hallowed be your name. So, as we work through that process, if we are the children of God, and Jesus tells us that we are to come before our Father and ask and seek and knock and ask and seek and knock, and to be persistent in that, why, why, why does he, what does he tell us that for? What's the connotation? So, so, as I process this that day, as a, as a father, I have to think through, what does that mean for me? Why, why would my kids ask and seek and knock and ask and seek and knock? It's not because they want to drive me crazy, though sometimes I feel like that's why. It's not that at all. So I've narrowed it down. There's a couple of reasons why my kids would come and ask and seek and knock and ask and seek and knock and chase me down. It's because, one, is because they have 
a need. Hopefully, an unknown need that I, that I don't know of, they know of it, I do not know of it, and they need someone to care for it. If they had a, a need that I knew about and I was ignoring, then that just makes me a, a, a bad father. And so hopefully it's a need that I don't know of, it's an unknown to me need that they have, that they need to have rectified. But that doesn't relate to this passage because God, our Heavenly Father, knows all of our needs. He's omniscient and knows them all even before we know them. And so that can't be the, the connotation that God is giving to us in this passage. Another, another way that, that I think my kids ask and seek and knock and chase me down is, is maybe they don't have an unknown need, but they want, they, they want to be with me. They, when I, when I come home, from work, they want to spend time with me, and, and there's no escaping that. There's no escaping them. And yet, that doesn't work in this passage for us either because, because God is omnipresent. He's everywhere at all times. And, and though his presence is not a physical presence like a human father with a human child, his presence is in all places at all times. And so that, that doesn't work either. And so we have to say, why would Jesus give us this picture of asking and seeking and knocking and asking and seeking and knocking? Why does he give us that? Why are we to search and pray in that way? Here's a few of the things I think that God gives us, Jesus gives us that picture for. God wants us to know that he is available. God wants us to know that he is available, that we can ask, that we can seek, that we can knock, and we can do it more than once. We can go through that process over and over and over. He does not turn us away. He is always available. I think Jesus tells us this because he wants us to realize that, that there's an enjoyment of the presence of God, that we find enjoyment in his presence. I think one of the reasons... My kids ask and seek and knock as I come home is because they enjoy being with me. And I think that's one of the pictures that Jesus is painting here is that it's okay for you as a believer, it's okay for you as a child of, the, of, of God, as a child of the Father, to ask and seek and knock and ask and seek and knock over and over and over because you enjoy his presence, because you want to come to him. I think he wants us to understand that we are Related to that, that we are safe with him. Not only do we enjoy his presence, but we are safe with him. And then related to that is that we have a dependence on God, an utter dependence on God. That he's the only place for us to go with our asks. He's the only place for us to go as we seek. He's the only place for us to go as we knock. That there's nowhere else to look for, but we have to come to him in asking and seeking and knocking. And the obvious one is that he wants to develop in us perseverance and persistence. That's why he gives us that repetition. Why six times he says that we're to come. We're to come asking and seeking and knocking and asking and seeking over and over and over. We are to develop persistence and perseverance in our relationship with God, especially as we, as we boldly come before him, searching and praying. And he wants to build in us, related to that, an expectation and a hope. Knowing that when we come, when we ask, we'll be answered. When we seek, we will find. 
when we knock, the door will be opened. That there's an expectation and a hope that comes, that comes from coming before God our Father. And then Jesus begins to tell us, as you ask and seek and knock, as you ask and seek and knock, as you do it over and over and over, God will answer. He answers when you ask. He's found when you seek. He opens the door when you knock. And the way he tells us that, the way Jesus tells us that is by telling us what God doesn't do in the rest of this passage. He tells us exactly what God does by telling us what he doesn't do. He says, or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus paints a picture here, a great picture here, I believe, of how God answers or, or doesn't answer some of those requests. He says, says who, if, if, a, if a son comes to a father and, and, and has a need for bread and asks for bread, God does not give him a stone. The idea here is that God doesn't just ignore the need that you have. A, a human father does not just ignore it, does not just, the, the, in fact, some commentators would have said the idea here is that, that as, as Jesus stood there, the rocks in that area would have looked like rolls or or loaves of bread and so the picture would have been right there that dad doesn't just ignore a father doesn't just ignore what a child needs he doesn't just pick up a stone and say here's your bread and ignore the request and the need that a child has if you need bread a good father will give you bread he doesn't just give you a stone he gives a second example. He says, what if a son were to ask for a fish? Does a father give him a serpent? A picture here. His commentators would say this, this, the, the, the serpent that Jesus probably would have been referring to would have been maybe a, an, an eel. Uh, and he, it's not, the idea is that God does not mock us. When we pray and ask and seek and knock and ask for a fish when we believe our need is for a fish God does not say here's your fish but it's not a fish you can eat it's not a fish you can use it's an unclean fish that's inedible he doesn't mock us he doesn't give us kind of what we've asked for but not what we need the picture if you if you looked in Luke chapter 11 this morning, the passage that was on the screen, if you continued on in that passage, you, you read another example that Jesus gives in that, in that other story that directly relates to this one. It's the story of, of Jesus says, if a son asks for an egg, is he going to be given a scorpion? Is the other picture that Jesus paints there. The idea that a curled up scorpion would be the same shape and diameter and feel as an egg, but but instead of being for nutrients, it would have been for poison. Jesus says, God does not ignore us, he does not mock us, and he does not harm us with what he wants to give us. He doesn't give us a stone, he doesn't give us a serpent or an eel, he doesn't give us a scorpion. He gives us good gifts. 
In fact, he gives us best gifts, I think is what Jesus is telling us. And yet, I think all of us can say, you maybe are, are thinking this and, and saying this and feeling this right now, that we have prayed lots of different times for lots of different things. We have asked and seeked and knocked and asked and seeked and knocked and come to the Father over and over and we have prayed for bread. And we have declared to God and told him how we need bread, that there's no other way except that we have to have bread. We need bread, God. We're asking, we're seeking, we're knocking, we're telling you that we need bread. And yet, what I have is a stone. And I think all of us have come to those moments where, where we know we have, we have done everything. We have, we have come over and over and we have brought this request day after day after day, year after year after year. And we continue to tell God that we need bread. And yet what we have is not bread. What, we, what we're holding, the response that we continue to get is a stone. And yet Jesus says, when we ask for bread, God does not give us stones. And so, how do we put all that together? How do we rectify that? When we, when we are holding the stone and we have asked over and over and over for bread, what can that mean? Probably lots of things. Here's just a couple. First is that what we see as a stone is not a stone at all, but it is, in fact, bread. Maybe it's not the bread that we're used to. Maybe it's not the bread that we've been asking about. Maybe it's not the bread that we we have anticipated, but it is, in fact, bread that we think is a stone. Maybe, in fact, it's a different variety or comes in a different way or, or has a different packaging or looks a little bit different. And maybe it's something that we can't understand and we can't picture. It's not the, it's not the wheat bread or white bread choices that we saw, but instead it's, it's, I don't even know another kind of bread. It's pumpernickel bread. I don't even know if that's a bread. Is that a bread? Okay. So there we go. Maybe it's pumpernickel. And we're looking at it and we're saying, this is not white or wheat, God. This is not the bread that we've been asking about. We, we, we're, we're pretty specific, God, in what we need. We need wheat bread. And instead, he's given us bread, only he's given us pumpernickel bread. He's given us a whole different kind. Maybe, I don't even know, maybe pumpernickel's not very good. But he gives us, he gives us exactly what we need in exactly the way that we need it in exactly the time that we need it. Sometimes our stone is not actually a stone. It's just a different kind of bread than what we expected. Another way that I think we can put this together is that there's, a, there's those times when, we, when, when, we're, when we're positive what we have is a stone. We've asked for bread and God has given us a stone. And the fact is that it's just not bread yet. It's just not bread yet. It, it, it's not a stone. It's bread, but it's a bread seed, if you will. It's the early stages. It's just not finished. It's still coming to be. And it's just not 
complete. It's the early parts, the early stages of the bread that you need. You're sure that you need it now, and God is saying, I, I'm, I'm giving you the beginnings of what you need, the very early stages, and it will be bread when you need bread. It will be bread. It's on its way. It's getting to that point. The other possibility in this is that you could be holding a stone after you've asked for bread over and over. You've asked and seeked and knocked and asked and seeked and knocked and asked and seeked and knocked. And you've asked for bread and you are holding a stone. And it could be that what you need is a stone and not bread. Maybe you don't need bread at all and yet you're convinced that you do. And we say yes we, this is what we need, God. I, I, I know exactly what I need. I, I need bread. You see the temper tantrum there a little bit from the child of the king, the child of the father? I know exactly what I need, and what I need is bread. I don't need this. I don't need this stone. And yet, children don't always get what they ask for. What if a child, this is not in the scripture, but I think it's, it's implied as Jesus gives us this picture. What if a child would have asked for a serpent? Does God give a serpent to those who ask for serpents? No. No. He does not do that. God only gives good gifts. He only gives the gifts that are exactly what they need, the best gifts, exactly what we need in exactly the right time and exactly the right place. Here's the problem in this. As we ask and seek and knock and ask and seek and knock and we lay our requests and our desires before God, we say, God, this is the, this is the answer. This is exactly what I need and I'm asking you and begging you and pleading with you. I'm telling you, God, exactly what I need and I just need you to answer it in the way that I'm telling it to you. The problem in that is that we all of a sudden have a twisted perspective of who we are and who God is. Just as when my children come to me and ask and beg and plead and lay out exactly what they need, but it's not at all what they need and they are trying to take over the position of authority and place in our family. We are wired to want to be God. We think we know what's best. In fact, if there, if there was something better than what we were asking for, we would ask for that. We don't ask for, for second or third or fourth place best thing. When we come before God, we ask for the best because we think that's what's best. And when we get something different, when we're holding something that is not the bread that we've requested or asked for or demanded, dare I say, we come unglued. We're wired to want to be God, thinking we know what's best. A quote I've read a couple of years ago, which I think resonated with me for a long time, was, was this idea. The quote was, God gives us exactly what we would ask for if we knew all that God knows. God gives us exactly what we would ask for if we knew all that God knows. And as I, as I heard that quote, it, I, it, it resonated with me. I liked it. If I knew everything that God knows, this is exactly what I would ask for. And God, 
in his sovereign ability to know all things, gives me exactly what I would ask for if I knew what he knows. Except it's about, here's, here's the problem with that. There's way more to it than, than knowledge. There's way more characteristics inside of God than just his ability to know all things. And so, it was, it's not just, it's not just that If we knew what God knows, this is what we would do. It's that God is, is so much more than just all-knowing. God is perfect. God has, is all goodness. There's nothing bad about God. There's no taintedness. Because even if I could know everything that God could know, even if I could wrap my head around everything that God knows, I still have a, a, a bent to me, a taintedness to my being because of my carnal nature, because of my sinful nature that, that would, would even twist and turn what I would know and understand. And God doesn't have any of those things. He's perfect and holy and good in all ways. And so it's more than just about what God knows. It's that he, He's infinite. He's outside of time. He's all places at all times. He knows exactly what's happening. And so it's his knowledge and his goodness and, and all of the characteristics of God mixed together that make it so that he might give us exactly, exactly what we need at that exact moment. One commentator says it this way. He says, if we take this passage as a whole, it says that when we ask and seek and knock, when we pray as needy children looking away from our own resources to our trustworthy Heavenly Father, He will hear and He will give us good things. Sometimes, exactly what we asked for. Sometimes, just when we ask for it. Sometimes, just the way that we desire it. And at other times, He gives us something better. Or at times, He knows. Or at the time that He knows is better. Or in the way that he knows is better. And of course, this tests our faith. Because if we thought that something was better, if something different was better, we would have asked for it in the first place. But we are not God. We are not infinitely strong or infinitely righteous or infinitely good or infinitely wise or infinitely loving. And therefore, it's great mercy to us and to the world that we do not get all that we ask. We are not infinitely strong or infinitely righteous or infinitely good or infinitely wise or infinite lo- infinitely loving, but God, our Father, is. And so when we ask for bread, he gives us the exact bread that we need in the exact moment that we need it. When we ask for fish or we ask for an egg, he gives us exactly what we need in the way and in the time and in the place that we need it. Not just because he knows, not just because he knows everything, not because he's, just because he's, he's got knowledge of what might be best for us, but because he's orchestrating everything together in all of human history to give us what exactly is best. Because God is all about his glory, and his glory is our good. God works everything together so that he might be declared and seen as good and glorious and grand. 
And that gloriousness is good for us. All of human history works together for the glory of God. So that, so that our requests, what's best for us, might be seen and given to us. He gives us exactly the right thing in the right time and in the right way, and he does this for all of his children in all of the world throughout all of eternity. God does what's right. He is a good and loving father. Jesus says, if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, us, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? As children of God, we can come to our Father and ask and knock and seek and plead and God will give us exactly what is right for us. Matthew's going to come. The worship team's going to come. They're going to lead us this morning. We're going to sing and declare about the love of our Father. The one who, when we ask him for bread, does not give us a stone. The one who, when we ask him for a fish, does not mock us and give us an eel. The one who... When we ask for an egg, the nutrients that we need does not give us something that will harm us. But the one who works all things together through all of time so that his glory might be seen because what is glorious to him is good for us. We can trust in a God who is infinitely strong, infinitely righteous, infinitely good, infinitely wise, and infinitely loving. That is the God who we call Father. That is the God who comes to us. And we ask and seek and knock. And he gives us exactly what we need. We stand with me this morning as Matthew leads us as we sing together and come before our Father. Has the sinner been forgiven? How has the rebel been made clean? Or blinded eyes been made to see? How have the orphans been adopted? Who hated your love and ran from grace? Despised and rejected all your ways? How wonderful the Father's love, the Father's love for us. That He would send His only Son to come and rescue us. He has saved us, called us blameless, guides us now and will sustain us. Oh, how wonderful the Father's love. Mercy floods our lives with kindness. 
Your grace has covered all we see, and you have promised not to be. You freely give your spirit to us, so we can be sure we're sons of God, and rest in the hope of what's to come. How wonderful the Father's love, the Father's love for us. That He would send His only Son to come and rescue us. He has saved us, called us blameless, guides us now and will sustain us. Oh, how wonderful the Father's love. No sufferings, they fill our lives, we're confident. With Christ, and so we cry, Abba, Father. Though sufferings may fill our lives, we're confident, we're as with Christ, and so we cry, Abba, Father. How wonderful the Father's love, the Father's love for us. Only Son to come and rescue us. How wonderful the Father's love, the Father's love for us. That He would send His only Son to come and rescue us. That shame is called us blameless, guides us now and will sustain us. Oh, how wonderful the Father's God, you promise as our Father to give us exactly what we need. When we ask for bread, you do not give us a stone. When we ask for fish, you do not give us a serpent. When we ask for an egg, you do not give us a scorpion. You give us exactly what we need and exactly the time and the way that we need it. And so God, my prayer this morning is that you will cause us to trust you. That God, you will cause us to trust in your character, to know that you, God, are infinitely wise and infinitely righteous and infinitely present that God, all of those things combine in your character so that you always do what is right and good and perfect and we can rest in that. God, cause us to continue to ask and seek and knock. That's the picture that Jesus gives to us, that we are children who continue to come and are persistent in coming to you and bringing our requests to you so that we might Lay those before you and you might answer us in exactly the right way and in the exact right moment with the exact right thing. God, cause us to trust you. That's really what it's about. Cause us to trust you and find hope in you. We pray these things together in the name of Jesus. 
whose blood makes it possible for us to become children of the God. We pray this in his name. Amen. Thank you for coming this morning.